Hey guys, welcome back to the Phil Cross Survival Podcast. I'm your host, Mike. And I'm your co-host, Kurt. I'm not going to even say <laughs> who my co-host is anymore. I'm over it. Today's podcast, we're talking about gray man theory. We get questions from people that listen to us, and we want to make sure we're following up. So that way you guys know that, one, we're listening to you, and we care about uh, your feedback. So um, that question was what? So the question was, you know, we talked about leadership in a podcast and talked about how leadership and team building is is a uh, element to that. And one of the questions was from an active guy who asked, what do you do or how do you deal with failed leadership? So, you know, failed leadership, I would assume he means poor leaders or leadership that doesn't exist, yeah. you know, like, so it could be like the absence of leadership you know, versus a, a leader who just doesn't have what it takes or, or is just negative. Or yeah, I think poor. through both of our experiences, um, you know, spending a long time in the military, we had the, you know, we had the experience of, of both learning from good leaders and bad leaders. And I think I learned um, just as much from, you know, from both of those, right? So um, a good example of uh, failed leadership that I had, and, you know, this was unfortunate, was... Um, when I was in SF, we had a team sergeant that was fired down range. I'm not going to get into the specifics about it, um, but you know, one of the or the question that uh, this guy had was, "What do you do with failed leadership?" Well, you know, there's a lot of different uh, things that are involved there that that affect uh, removing the leader because in the regular army, it may just not be possible, right? But in my situation, um, what ended up happening is that leader was actually removed during that deployment and uh, never came back, which actually was a good thing for the team. Um, and one of the positive things about the team that I was on at the time is it was an extremely experienced team. And so this guy being removed from this leadership position actually didn't affect our pace in combat operations. So um, because we had a lot of guys that were already stepping up and, and filling the role and that, that guy just didn't deserve to be there anymore. Yeah, I've, I've experienced the same thing but with the opposite kind of uh, response and it's it's you have to be careful right because i know I've, I've heard of a lot of different situations especially in special operations where teams try to band together i mean we call it cooing right they, they right. coup and they go against the leadership thinking that they have the valid reasons why that leader should be removed or shouldn't be there and so it's it's a fine line because once you once you overtly communicate that you're already pegging yourself or putting yourself in a spotlight. Right. And it, it, it could have negative, especially in the military, it could have negative effects to you and your career, oh, yeah. to your reputation and everything else. So I'll say the first thing you, you need to do is, you know, you have to go to people in the organization that you trust that you can communicate to, right? Sure. Yeah. I mean, one of the, one of the things that I think about is, um, you know, if you're in a position where, you know, the leadership isn't living up to, to its end of the bargain, essentially, and leading, um, you know, there's a lot of different ways you can handle that. If you've got smart people around that leader, you know, but there are ways, I think, to influence leaders, you know, with uh, with information. And sometimes one of the techniques is uh, it may be your idea, but you make the leader think it's their idea and then they take it and then execute it. And it ends up being, you know, good stuff. So, yeah. Once you make that decision to to communicate that the person is a poor leader, 
you have to really have the evidence, the oh, yeah. uh, well. <laughs> the understanding of of what they're doing, and it, and is it because there's what I've experienced, especially in special operations, is there's a lot of styles of leadership. Oh yeah, and just because it's not a style that you don't like, you don't particularly like, doesn't mean it's not uh, leadership. Period. It might be poor leadership in your eyes because you don't like the the, the way they conduct. Yeah, they yeah. don't. They, you don't like the way they conduct business, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's bad or poor leadership. Now, when lives are in danger because they're being affected or risked because of poor decision making or because of of poor leadership, that's different. So you have to be able to differentiate the two. You know. Yeah. No, I think it's a great point that you're bringing up. Is you have to remove your personal feelings and really break the situation down for what it is, right? So it's like, hey, that dude, you know, he yells at me when he does X and I don't like that, you know? So if you're basing that off of, you know, how a person is a leader, uh, my opinion, you know, and my experience in uh, being in the military for a long time is that you have to remove all the personal feelings, take the facts, look at those. And if the guy is actually, or gal, right, is doing their job and they're leading, um, but maybe personally you don't like it, then that's not really a valid uh, reason to ask for one of those people to be removed or whatever, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that's a couple of tips, man. I hope that helps your, or hope that answers your question and helps you out a little bit. You know, uh, it takes experiences through good and bad to be able to kind of figure out the right path. So, you know, it's always not, it's not always clearly defined news that's on the headlines right now in especially in the survival genre which we're talking is this whole spain yeah thing. barcelona barcelona the, uh, right the truck or the van attack in barcelona you know I, i've been to spain we both have spain is a beautiful country uh, i love spain actually and it was tragic because I, I reposted a video on phil Kraft's account and it shows all the casualties the aftermath the aftermath and and the, my whole you know the whole thing is yeah, it's tragic, and you know a lot of people don't want to see that. But I want people to to see that because I think seeing the reality of you know the real life that we live in today, which is the potential of people to lose it based off ideology or right. you know, terrorism, whatever. Yeah, yeah, whatever it may be, you you have to be prepared in those kind of situations. And people I know are going to argue like, hey, well, what do you do to prepare for people? A uh, guy smoking people with a vehicle and there's a lot of things you could do one of the things that i recommend that i've already been hit up about question wise is what kind of medical training can i get yep. and you know the medical training we recommend is TCCC, right you've taken that before absolutely yeah you know what we're talking about right now really drives a lot of uh feelings for both mike and i because we spent the majority of our adult adult lives fighting this ideology that you know uh, praise on innocent people uh, to make a statement and um, the important takeaway you know I just taught a class this last weekend and I talked to the students about this and I said you know everybody has this this uh, misconception that they're going to rise uh, to the occasion right when something happens well no the fact is is that you're going to rise to your level of training and so that's why we always uh, talk about um, you know, it's not just signing people up for our classes, right? Because we're affiliated with other folks that train and do different things, but it's like, Hey, get out there, get training. And then that way, if something happens, you've got something to fall back on and you can actually treat casualties. You can 
potentially deal with a problem, right? So in the United States, for example, if you're a CCW holder, you need to go out and train because if you have to pull that pistol and use it, uh, you better be trained. Yeah, it's a lot of liability, not only obviously trying to save your own life. Right. But, you know, the TCCC course that we're, we're holding is built into our Overland course, which is happening September 30th in Fernley, Nevada. So, you know, it's a, it's a weekend course. The course is designed to teach you survival, off-road driving, medical. You could pay for one vehicle, which is the entry fee, and uh, for you and another person to go into the course. But you're going to get TCCC qualified, meaning you're going to be able to treat yourself and your buddy and be able to save your life in the event of something traumatic, especially when it comes to broken bones, which you see in vehicle accidents or survival situations, and gunshot wounds, which you see obviously in uh, an active shooter or man-made catastrophe. Right. So, yeah, uh, good opportunities. You know, it, I always get asked and recommend. You know, who do I recommend? I just rec in, in medical training specifically. I, I recommend anybody who teaches TCCC where they uh, involve scenarios that are realistic to your everyday life. You know, if you're taking a TCCC course and they don't have those kind of scenarios built in, I, I would probably wouldn't go with that training. Yeah, I mean, like all the training we did throughout our careers, it's like you, you know, and we talk about this in our classes, you know, um, it's isolating tasks, you know, rehearsing them and, and, uh, and, and executing tasks. So it's, you know, again, the folks that you're training with, it shouldn't just be blocks of instruction. It should be blocks of instruction up to a culminating exercise so you can demonstrate your proficiency in the tasks that were trained. Yeah, I think that's a, a good rule of thumb, uh, just in general, in life, you know. Moving on in this episode, we're talking gray man theory. You know, yeah. it's recommended to us. That, that we, they have this saying in special operations or in the military, or a whole bunch of different fields where you want to be the gray man. Yeah. What, what does the gray man mean to you? When I think gray man theory, for some reason, my mind goes back to, you know, training in the military and kind of uh, being what we called the gray man. The definition of that is to be the guy, you know, or girl that doesn't stick out to the cadre. But um, there's a there's a lot of different uh, venues um, inside of, you know, work uh, where you can talk about the gray man theory. And I think um, that applies to work overseas as well. Yeah, it's funny because I remember going through training, and I think it started with Ranger School because uh, you know Ranger School is a is a uh, you know you have Ranger buddies that are always with you. You're you're always involved in a group learning about small unit tactics and patrolling and planning. And the biggest thing is you don't want to be a spotlight ranger. Yeah, you don't right? want to stick out. You don't want to stick out. And I remember I, I was actually asked this question once. He said, hey, you know, being a gray man, does that mean I don't need to finish first? And I, I would never equate being the gray man as being the person who doesn't give your effort. So let's say you're doing a run and you're being assessed on a run and you're the fastest runner there. And then you intentionally sandbag or, you know, hold don't give back. Your, yeah, hold back. Don't give your best effort because you want to be the gray man, that's the wrong time to be a gray man. I think what we mean by gray man, and this is all theoretical, obviously, which is kind of the cool part of it, is you don't want to be overtly- Sucking ass. Obnoxious, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, because There's you, a lot of different it. descriptive words to, or, you know, a lot of different descriptions of 
of not being the gray man. Yeah. The kiss ass. Buddy fucker. Spotlight ranger. Spotlight ranger. <laughs> yeah. Um, Unhumble, right? Yep. I mean, though, and, and the funny thing is, is, uh, you know, again, throughout years of experience and training and all these different things and going through courses with guys from different units and all over the place, right? The Army, the Marine Corps, the Navy, um, you know, those spotlight guys actually, uh, they stick out. Yeah, we always and, and it's it's funny because that translates into don't be that guy, right? Yeah. Because that guy is the guy who's not being the gray man. Right. And so if you just observe uh, your surroundings when you're in a collective group of people learning processes, you'll always see that guy. You know, he, for example, if you're getting a class on patrolling, he's the guy who asked the questions, right? But he asked the questions just to empower himself, right? Or just to, to make it seem like he's more interested, or just to ask a question because he wants to be the brown noser. Mm-hmm. And so he's asking the wrong questions. And so it's this attention thing. It's this, it's this weird personality characteristic where people who have to be the spotlight ranger, mm-hmm. they have to have the attention. And right. they can't stand just, you know, basically blending in with to the, the crowd, with the yeah. class. And, you know, the gray man is is really the opposite of that guy. That guy, you don't want to be that guy. You don't want to be the guy who's asking the wrong questions. You don't want to be the guy who's standing out for the wrong reasons. Right. But you do want to be the guy who's a, a performer, but who's humble about it. Absolutely. You know, I think the the greatest advice, it's not greatest advice. In fact, I don't recommend it as advice at all because I think it's wrong in a lot of ways. But one of the most defining things I heard from leadership in you know, a top-tiered unit was they told us that perception is reality, meaning that the perception that you create is the reality of that person who's observing you. So you could be a nice guy and you have a, a fit and you, 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 you lose your shit. Well, then you're looked at as that crazy butthole who just, who's weird, <laughs> right? And so it, your first impression, and, and which is the longest impression, really that last with everybody is very important, but also the way that you manage everything in your military career, it's going to be analyzed. It's going to be observed. And we can quickly identify the characteristics of all the team guys who are those guys who are potentially the gray man or the guys who stand out for the wrong reasons. Yeah, absolutely. I I mean, and, and even, you know, deeper than just the military, I think this applies across um, a lot of different spectrums of civilian, you know, jobs and, and uh, all the different situations that you would find yourself in with everyday life. You know what I mean? So it, it doesn't have to be in a military school. It doesn't have to be um, in just the office. I think it covers that that entire spectrum of life. When you mean the gray man, we're talking about the person who at the end of the course, the cadre looks and goes, who are you? Like, I don't even know who you are. And I remember, you know, I remember thinking about that, especially in, when I was in Raider school, when I was real young, thinking about creating that perception. Well, what are some techniques on creating that perception? Number one, don't ask questions that aren't the right questions. I mean, some questions need to be asked, but don't be that guy who steps forward and asks the wrong question. Don't be the guy who is highlighted for the wrong reasons. You know, everybody likes the class clown. That's funny. 
when you're uh, in high school. Yeah. But when you're in the military, it, it doesn't resonate well. Right. And so I've seen that trans. I've seen people become that guy who are hated by the cadre, who are potentially like blacklisted, basically, because they're like, this guy's a clown. He's yeah. not going to be a good operator. He's not going to be be a good special operations guy. Mm-hmm. And so you don't want to be the that guy who's the comedian. When you're the gray man, you're you're basically being quiet and not physically highlighting yourself either. Right. You know, you're not the guy who stands out and you're jumping around and you're you're you know you're animated. You want to be kind of like the neutral body who doesn't the cadre doesn't identify your face. I mean, literally, I've physically have taken myself and hid myself in the back of crowds because I didn't want to be that guy. Well, you, are, you are kind of weird. You're like over six foot. You're yeah. Asian, which is like uncommon. So, I know. <laughs> so I just make myself shorter yeah. and then uh, blend in the crowd. I, you know, I I always wanted to physically not be seen by the cadre. I remember hiding from the cadre. Because the first time I always thought when they see my face, they're gonna they're gonna be like, this guy stands out. Right. Because of my Asian eyes. I mean, that's obvious. <laughs> yeah. No, but I, it's all I mean, these are all great points, right? These are different experiences that both Mike and I have had um, in training, you know, and the the interesting part about that is is that um, you know, in teaching people how to be the gray man, if it's in training or whatever it is, right? It doesn't mean that we're we're telling you to be a sub performer, and so that's important, you know, to draw the distinction. There is that you still have to be a team player. You still have to work hard. You still got to you know share the load, pull your own, um, you know, part of the load, if you will, and and be a, a productive person. And so you know, in saying, hey, be the gray man. It's not hide out and be a shit bag. It's literally like, hey man, just work hard. Uh, be part of the team. And, and, you know, I've had people ask, uh, I've been DM'd on Instagram about how to be a better team player and all these different things. And it's like, just be a good person. Like, you know, whether it's, you know, you keep, you keep yourself physically fit, you're morally straight, you know, whatever, however you define that. Right. But it's, and you know, when you get into those environments with guys and the expectation is that you work together and we saw this in SFAS and SF selection, and you have guys that fucking sandbag and they don't pull their weight and, you know, and, and they don't do the things that they're supposed to do. So in saying uh, this is how to be the gray man, what we're not saying is to be a turd. Yeah, don't don't be a shit bag. And that's a really good point because people think that that's what it is. It's hiding out, right? Masking yeah. yourself and just checking the block or getting by, Yeah, you know, meeting the minimum standard. But that's not what we're saying. We're just saying don't stand out for the wrong reasons. There are ways to stand out for the right reasons. For example, there's there's this adage that's when in charge, be in charge. Yep. And when you step up and you're in charge, you don't have to be egotistical about it. You don't have to command or demand respect. You could command it in your presence by just being cool, calm, and collected. If you're in charge, be clear and concise, be confident in your your own abilities, or just give the perception that you are. I mean, you could be you could be shaken inside and, and stirred by the, what's taking place, yep. but you want to be perceived as confident or confident because your subordinates are looking at you to be confident, right. which is instilling their own confidence in the process. Right. You know, it could be the expectation of planning the execution on actions on the objective when you're actually doing stuff um, to post assault. So after everything's done, 
What are you doing to take care of your guys and to, you know, give the perception that you're a squared away leader? Yep. So what I've seen people do and fail at trying to be the great man is when they're in charge, they have this real passive approach to it. Right. And that doesn't, you know, you have to be in charge. You can clearly define it. You don't have to be an actor. You know, you know who that guy is. It's the guy when the cadre's around, all of a sudden they're super motivated. All of a sudden they're super squared away. All of a sudden they're putting down the people around them when the reality should be if you want to be a good leader, if you want to be a, a good gray man, when you're in charge, you just maintain a standard for yourself and for your subordinates and you're the same way every single time. People in those environments, especially smart, intelligent, grown men trying to be Green Berets, can identify those guys immediately right. who are going to be just like that. Yeah, so the and it's it's kind of interesting when we talk about, you know, this gray man theory um, in a in a training environment um, because when I I think the more applicable gray man theory if you will is actually when, you know, we found ourselves working in semi-permissive or permissive environments and and being in those, you know, type of places and you do want to, you know, keep a low profile. Yeah, those are countries that are not declared war zones, right? They're just a little bit, I won't say safer. They're not war zones. They're right. not declared. So, yeah, you, you that's when the, the real uh, application of, in my mind of this theory. Yeah. And I don't even think it's theory. I mean, you and I have lived this uh, personally. And so we understand what what that, uh, you know, the gray man uh I'm not even going to call it a theory. It's like gray man life overseas. <laughs> yeah. Gray man actual. Yeah. <laughs> uh -huh. I, you know, it's it's funny you talk about that, but you're right because the gray man doesn't apply to just the training processes. It applies to op real world operations or, or real life. Yeah. And so when you're, you're trying to be the gray man, let's say you're in a foreign country. It, you know, this reminds me of a, an Instagram post that I saw that went pretty viral where the guy had a picture of himself. Uh, of what not to do and then what to do. Mm -hmm. And then what not to do had the, you know, catch me, fuck me shirt and the Punisher hat and the, all that stuff. And <laughs> the, the uh, to do was like, hey, blend in with your environment. And my my whole thing is, you know, it doesn't matter if you're a white dude in an Arab country, you're not fooling anybody by putting on Arab clothes. You're still a white dude in Arab clothes. Right. So there, there's a lot that goes into trying to blend into your environment number one you know this this is kind of digresses into a, a operational uh, element but i don't think people will mind is when you go into like a similar semi-permissive environment you don't wear the clothes that you wear when you're wherever you're at right. you wear the clothes that are in the local shops sure. around town you know if, if you go to libya which is terrifying which actually. is crazy <laughs> in libya i was gonna say it's skinny jeans and flannel shirts they love oh, jason God. aldean they love skinny jeans and they bedazzled skinny jeans, and they love. Are there any uh, other kind, really? Th yeah, there's, there, that's that's all I wear anyway. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, there's you go in there. It's funny because I, I try to like on a double XL flannel shirt. <laughs> it's like a Jason Aldean special, which is a knockoff because I don't think he even have it has a clothing line. But it, it was like a schmedium. It, it wouldn't even fit on my body. I couldn't even get my arms through the the larger portion of of the sleeve, and then the. The uh, skinny jeans, forget about it. I mean, my calf yeah. wouldn't even go in those jeans. So that's scary to think about. That's scary, but <laughs> I mean, let's think about that. So now 
you're this is the the uh, antithesis of this <laughs> is that now you got a guy who's you know I'm six one two hundred plus pounds and I go in now I'm wearing skinny jeans and a flannel shirt <laughs> how am I going to stand out and and but more so than anything else so in those kind of environments well the best thing I could probably do is is per, pretend or be a businessman I can mm-hmm. wear a business suit business yeah. casual they see me as professional. I'm in a professional industry, and I'm not necessarily a recce guy trying to assassinate somebody. <laughs> yeah, so I think there's a there's a time and place. I think it's funny because I think about Gray Man and also all these low vis ops that we did, and I, I remember like all the low vis stuff I've done where I'm wearing man jams. You know, in Nuristan, Afghanistan, I can get away with it. You know, for first for a first glance, there's probably different phases of it. If they stopped me and they looked at me, it would be different. But from a drive-by standpoint, I can get away with it. But then when you look at uh, me in Iraq anywhere, I stand out like a sore thumb. Yeah, uh, There's not a huge Chinese influence. So there's not a lot of Asians running around. And I'm a big-ass Asian dude in an Arab country. Yeah. So, yeah, you have to, to analyze how you want to be the gray man. It requires a kind of a deliberate approach to it. I mean, it's, it's more complex than just saying, I'm going to be a gray man. Like it requires physical action, right? You have to to be a great man. You have to physically do something. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, and I think that process starts, and this kind of blends a little bit with our overseas travel podcast. And it and it starts with you know doing your homework stateside before you travel somewhere, right? And then it it kind of uh, you know when you get into country um, is is when it starts to actually uh, not reveal itself. I don't think that's the right word, but it. It's where you're actually, you know, the planning process is taking place and then you're putting those things into action when you hit the ground. So when I look at the gray man, uh, this gray man life or concept or whatever you want to call it, right? Uh, being the gray man, if you're traveling overseas, I think it has a lot of application there. And and where it has a lot of application in my mind is when I when you talk about the gray man is like, hey, number one, maybe you don't want to hang out because of terrorism, things like that going on is when you decide to go somewhere, maybe you don't place yourself where all the other Western tourists are at. You know, maybe you just keep a low profile. You can still enjoy your trip and still and go and do uh, all the things that you want to do, but maybe you don't hit those places on peak hours or, you know, there's just a a variance of, uh, of your schedule, right? That we all, that Mike and I actually applied operationally, but, you know, if you're listening and you're a civilian, you know, there's a lot of application there as well for travel to keep you and your family safe by being a gray man or having your family be the gray men or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. The gray people. The gray people. The children <laughs> of the gray. Man, we've... <laughs> 50 shades of gray man. Um, yeah. I, you know, this, it's interesting because, it, you know, this gray man stuff provokes a lot of uh, memories that I remember living through. And remember, if you're not the, if you're not that guy, you're probably the gray man. And so, when you think about the gray man, literally, you don't have to think like, "Hey, there's a, a crowd that stands out. There's a crowd that suck, and then you're the gray man somewhere in between." Right. It's not necessarily that. It's if you're not that guy, you're, you're being the gray man because you're not that guy. Because trust me, that guy will be clearly known really fast. Yeah. And then when he's identified. You just cut away, just like literally stand like he's a grenade. <laughs> There's a five meter kill radius. You just get away from that person because you don't want to be associated with that guy. You don't want to be in that guy's cir- circle. 
Yeah. Uh, because that guy's already been identified in training or operationally as being that guy, which is going to really, I think, inhibit your ability to to reach your fullest potential, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I when you're talking about this, I'm like picturing the dude that isn't the gray man, like overseas traveling. And he's like in the middle of all these Western tourists and he's got like a fucking American flag hat on and yeah, like uh, tropical, tropical flowered <laughs> yeah. Hawaiian shirt. And he's like, America, America. He's, and he's loud. Like yelling at, like, yeah. Just being a, a prick. Right. Yeah. So don't be that guy. <laughs> don't be that guy. That's what the episode episode the episode <laughs> should be is don't be that guy. Because really, if you're not that guy, then you're literally the gray man. Yeah. I think, you, I think you're the gray. So you know, some, some examples of don't be that guy. I remember being in a brief mission brief and, and Robin Sage and that guy was given a brief and he was, he was cussing like he was a badass. And he's like, uh, uh, you know, casualties. We don't take casualties next slide, <laughs> you know, just being obnoxious. Right. And everybody was like, who, this dude is like a, overcompensating. Overcompensating. And in that environment, in a professional environment, and especially in special operations, dude, if you want to be blacklisted and really fast, and and because you know, part of the uh it's not theory, part of the reality in special operations is your reputation starts the day that you sign into special operations. Though really the, the day that you go to selection, your reputation starts there because those guys that you get selected with are the same guys that are going to know you throughout your special operations career. And they're going to know exactly the guy that you were. So if you were a shit bag in selection, you were that guy in selection and somehow you made it through. Trust me, you'll be that guy for your entire military career. (laughs) Like, In fact, it will fall you into your civilian life because I know civilians (laughs) who are former teammates that are that guy. (laughs) Damn. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. No, the, I mean, it's uh, all great points Mike uh, brings up, especially about going back to our days and SF. And I, I think about, uh, you know, I was like taking a stroll down memory lane while you were talking about Oh, were it. you? I was. Oh, uh, cool. And uh, no, but I still communicate with guys that I went to selection with that went to different groups. We went through the Q course together and, you know, typically the good guys stick together and Typically, the shit birds fall away. So that's kind of... Uh... Did you fall away with your buddies? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we all fell away. We all fell away. Yeah. That sums up the, the Grand Man Theory. I, I think we can go down a lot of rabbit holes. We could probably make that more structured. But at the end of the day, it's theory. And just live with what we said. Yeah, no. It's the it, best advice. Well, the given. funny thing is, this is not theory. This is all shit that we've, we've true. practiced. Real experience. For real. Yeah. And uh, so that's sometimes we get into our little rub or whatever you want to call it with people that teach theory. Mike and I don't teach theory. Uh, We teach based off a practical experience. And we've, you know, again, lived a lot of this stuff. So and and that's why we like to share the information with people to make them better. Um, So, yeah, Yeah, what's so what's going on, you know, recently for the company? I mean, we've got some a lot of exciting things on the horizon. Yeah. So I have this badass title called training and operations, the director of right. (laughs) And uh, we've actually, uh, we've got courses coming up, um, I believe on the 16th and 17th of September in uh, Ceres, California. And the 16th is a basic pistol course. And the 17th is our gunfighter carbine course. Um, this is like a first for Cali. You know, it's hard yeah. to get a range in Cali, but we got a range. We did. And I don't even think there's slots left. I think it's full. 
for the most part, we're like one or two slots away from being There's full. still a couple slots left on yeah. both courses if you're listening right now. And, uh, you know, you have the ability to make it. We highly encourage uh, you to come to training for all the reasons why in the beginning of this episode we talked about is, and again, I'll reiterate that um, you will not rise to the occasion. You will absolutely rise to your level of training. And so we, we firmly believe that and we've lived that in combat and different situations in our lives. And so that's why we, we teach that, uh, you know, that process and, and that mindset. Now, and I know we've, we've canceled courses, you know, for a good reason, but we pushed them. What dates in September? That's right. So uh, we had two courses that we were going to run on the 26th and the 27th of August in Durango, Colorado. And, uh, you know, we had an unforese- unforeseen scheduling conflict. So we bumped those to the 9th and 10th, which is the second weekend in September. Um, and that's a Saturday and a Sunday. And the 9th is the ops course. Which is modern survival. Which is our modern survival course. I love course. that course. I love teaching yeah, it's And, you know, the crazy thing about it, too, and I don't want to tell – people always ask a lot of questions about the ops course, and it's hard because we have to advertise for it. But at the same time, you don't want to – we don't want to give too much information because, you know, the intent of the course is to put you in stressful situations and then teach you how to mitigate stress uh, to, you know, give you the higher prob- probability of survival – um, in a man-made or natural catastrophe. Uh, so that's going on the 9th of September. And then the 10th of September, we're actually running a gunfighter carbine course in Durango, Colorado as well. Um, so if you're in the area, uh, we highly encourage you again to sign up and uh, hope to see you there. Now, I know uh, one thing that we did is we we teamed up with Reveille, the Reveille Ranch in uh burnett texas oh yeah and that's that's a buddy of mine dan who owns that or he runs the operations there but it's a phenomenal ranch i'm talking about you know it's got every single thing you could potentially do in yeah, every as far as a training venue it's it's uh, the best training venue yeah. ever but we encourage you guys to follow them online you could see them tagged in our most recent post about the assessment course that we're running we're actually running an assessment course in october october 14th and 15th uh, the report dates October 13th. But this course, you know, is designed to set you up for success and teach you the methodology, the training, the mindset to be in special operations, no matter what branch you're going into. And that's going to be exciting because it's in Texas. We love Texas. Yeah. And it, the venue is going to be perfect for it. They got O courses. They got land navigation. And it's going to set you up for success. So I'm looking forward to that. Well, And then, you know, the last thing with the assessment course is that you know, you've heard Mike and I talk about resiliency and and actually building layers. You've got to be broken down uh, to your core um, to start adding on layers that are going to help you in the future. And, you know, we've done several assessment courses, um, you know, where I've helped Mike teach. And at the end of every single one of those, you know, it's just amazing to see guys show up and then um, the knowledge that they gain after the fact, right? So, this isn't just for people that want to go to a soft selection. This is literally like we're teaching you life skills here and how to endure and work through, you know, pain. And, and the physical part is difficult, but it's not impossible because we don't make it that way. There's a teaching point based off of everything that we do in the course. So, you know, it's, just, it's important to reiterate that um, these courses are for everybody. You know, it's not just for people that want to go to the military. I think it's really cool. I'm, we've had a dentist that's gone before. We've had California Highway Patrol. We've had civilians in every sector of, you know, from video game industries to everything. I mean, I think it's a real 
awesome course to be part of no matter what how you look at it or no matter what your experiences are absolutely so we got some you know two important things i'm gonna bring up our, our strategic partnerships with a couple companies that we're real proud of the first one is us night vision that's right and we're, you know our next episode is going to be on night vision <laughs> not like the night vision one we did the other day where <laughs> yeah. we call those shooting the shit episodes but we'll yeah. do those periodically i think people it resonated with a lot of people probably pissed off a lot of people but we'll do those every probably once every couple of weeks i think the coolest thing with us night vision is you know they make high quality night vision and people don't think about night vision in tactics or in survival as a civilians yeah. it's totally accessible and there's totally a, a reason to have good night vision absolutely um you know we we believe i believe in the product we've both are indeed everything from us night vision from their 14s to their uh, dual nods they even have white phosphorus they even have ir strobe lights that you put in vehicles which we're going to hook up the uh, forerunner with and the uh and your trd yep. tacoma so yeah more to follow on that but it, it's a, it's just a, a great opportunity for us and also to uh you know to talk to you guys about the relevancy of night vision and practical survival modern survival and also in tactics yeah and the other cool thing is obviously uh because they're friends of ours uh there's going to be a code uh that you can use to get a discount on night vision which is cool and hard to come by i mean yeah. everybody night vision companies aren't really in the business of customer Giving support their night vision away yeah exactly <laughs> which we're not saying that you're gonna get a pair for free but yeah you know what we mean so yeah usnightvision.com and then uh us night vision at us night vision for uh, on social media on instagram yeah. start following those guys and then uh we'll obviously uh be talking about that more especially in the next episode the other thing is we're working with uh fall raven north america yeah which uh, is sweet yeah we're working with a, a dis distributor Right, a well, retailer and distributor. VSSF or VSSL, excuse me. Yeah, that's one. And they're awesome, but you know, we're, Fall Raven. If you guys don't know about Fall Raven, it's a Swedish company, but Fall Raven specializes, and I call them the cry precision of civilian clothes. I mean, yeah. they they are mil spec civilian clothes that you could wear on the flat range, in a night in a nightclub, <laughs> in life. And it's just 10 times more durable than anything we've ever seen. Right. I mean, I've had a pair of Patagonia pants that I wore like a week. They shrunk on me, and then I blew out the knees <laughs> because I was taking knees during a flat range exercise. But Fall Raven, they're, they're designed for high-altitude, extreme conditions, and they last. Yeah, well, the cool thing is is that, um, you know, in finding that company and then trying their clothes out, uh, you know, we use them, we use their clothes to teach, uh, you know, whether it's marksmanship training or you and I are running up into the, you know, the San Juan National Forest and, you know, off-roading. And I think it just, it covers down on a lot of different genres that, that people are interested in. And the bottom line is they make clothes that last. So, and they're, they're freaking cool. So, yeah, we, we believe in the utility of everything. And if it's not durable, if it doesn't have a, a good purpose and multifunction, then we're not interested. And so Fall Raven's definitely someone to follow. And don't buy anything from Fall Raven yet. We we got some coupon. <laughs> we again we're doing the coupon thing. That's something that we push for for strategic partnerships with marketing is, you know, we want if we believe in a product, we want you to believe in it too, because you know, we've already tested and R and D'd it in our lifestyle. 
So you, you could believe what we say, and then we could you know give you a coupon code to be able to get a discount on it as opposed to playing yeah. retail, which just makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of like a you know a reward for uh, you know following us and yeah and being into what we're into, and then you know if we can help you guys out on on the back end, then it just makes sense. Besides your smile, it's the best incentive <laughs> um, that's available. So you know this is a shorter podcast. Actually, I don't think this is a shorter no, podcast. Yeah. It's pretty on point. But I appreciate the, uh, you know, the feedback on the last shooting the shit podcast. We did an active shooter podcast from military or uh, uh, mentors for military, and um, that's right, right? Mentors for military. Sorry, it's either, it's, it's military, or I think it's military mentors. I think that's wrong. It's mentors. <laughs> when I, I'm sorry, I I hyped that up, but yeah, figure <laughs> the last. We're podcast. like looking on our phones right now, like yeah. fuck, oh, what was God. it? No, but if you look up the last mentors podcast, for military, it mentor, was yeah. yeah, it's mentors for military, and um, the active shooter podcast is there. <laughs> but we got a lot of feed, good feedback on the shooting the ship podcast, and it's just a good way to vent, kind of. Yeah, we talk relationships, we talked um, a lot of different stuff, relationships. <laughs> yeah, man. So thanks for tuning in, guys. You can see us on PhilCraftSurvival.com on our social media handles: Soft Survivor, Philcraft Survival, and what's yours again? <laughs> We've only been working together for I don't know how long. Kurt underscore Team Philcraft. Whatever. It's so <laughs> complex. Whenever you add an underscore to anything, it makes it hard. Yeah, I guess. Well, you came up with that. So and I did. They can they can see us on Facebook as well. Facebook as well. YouTube channel. We got a, yeah. The YouTube. YouTube. Channel. And then of course, if you're listening, you know. Get the podcast. podcast. Uh, please, please, please. If you have any time and you care about us at all, you'll leave. You'll leave some feedback. Hopefully positive. If it's negative, just email it to me, and then I'll, <laughs> I'll handle it. Yeah. Uh, and subscribe because that's what gets keeps the analytics up. And man, if we ever beat Bernie Sanders, I'll like Dude. go party. Yeah, we got to do something crazy. We got to talk about that. We'll have an idea maybe the next podcast if we beat if we beat Bernie Sanders. It's gonna get real. It's gonna. Be I don't real. know what that means, bro. But... I don't know why you're looking at me. <laughs> All right, guys. Till next time. Stay alert. Stay alive.